Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to the Adele Dazeem Memorial Theater. Please take a moment to silence your cell phones, pagers, babies, hacking coughs, anything that could make noise during the performance. Photography during the show is strictly prohibited. And while we do not actually have police on premises to enforce this rule because fuck 12, we do have Patty Lapone standing by in the wings ready to berate and humiliate anyone who violates this protocol. Leah Michelle, if you are here, we do have ushers on standby who are available to read your playbill aloud to you. Can you just... Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, mm, got it. Just a casting note for this evening's performance. The role of co-host will be played tonight by Matt Belisai, who's standing in for Hugh Jackman. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy Back Issue Presents in our Theater Kid era. Like Luther Vandross. Oh, but make it fashionable. Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue, a weekly podcast that revisits formative moments in pop culture that we still think about. This week, Call me Rogers and Hammerstein's music man because I got 99 problems and 76 trombones. Help, it's a lot of trombones. Like, how am I supposed to carry this many trombones? This week, we're talking about musical theater. I'm Josh Quinn. 
Joining me today will be comedian and dream girl scholar Matt Bellasai and actual Tony Award-nominated Broadway star L. Morgan Lee. Hey, I have a 2.30 appointment for a... Well, I guess I'm not exactly sure what it is. There's this music that just keeps following me, and it kind of vamps. Like, it's trying to tell me to start singing. Uh-huh. That sounds really annoying. I hope it's not contagious. It's really weird because I get this internal push to give in and start... Singing! Well, I mean, that didn't sound half bad. It's still really, really annoying, though. And every few hours, these voices in my head, it's like they're on a PA system and they're telling me to silence my cell phone and stop taking pictures. But it's not in a very live, laugh, love kind of way, you know? Yeah, you can go wait in the office just up the hall on your left, room 205. Hi, Josh. Oh my god, it's so good to see you. Wait, Matt, you're my doctor? Yeah, I'm I'm a doctor. A licensed doctor? Yes, I am a doctor. Huh. Okay, congratulations. So, what seems to be going on here with you? Dr. Matt, something crazy is happening. I woke up this morning, and there was this voice in my head, like those PA announcements before a Broadway show. Like, turn off your cell phone, that kind of thing? Right, right. And the rest of the day has just been so odd. I keep hearing this cheesy music vamp. It feels like there's this harsh spotlight on my face, like main character syndrome, but more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, I've been breaking into song. Yikes. That sounds really uncomfortable for you. And overall, it's just like the stakes of my day have been so magnified like every second has this unusual gravitas Mm -hmm. you know what it feels like it is that moment right before intermission where everyone's songs come together Uh uh-huh uh-huh you have the i want song and you have the establishing song and all of the harmonies meld together into this new song and i cry every single time that's how i feel in life Okay, okay. So it sounds like you've got a classic case of Rogers and Hammerstitis. Of what? Of who? You're trapped inside of a musical, Josh. I'm... What? Listen, I know the name is scary, but this is totally treatable. So has anything been going on in your life that might have prompted this? Any inciting incidents? You mean, like, other than the trauma of just being alive? Right, other than that. I guess the proliferation of musical theater as part of the zeitgeist is something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Yeah. I just feel like musicals are everywhere right now. Like, I'm thinking of that Leah Michelle funny girl drama. Leah Michelle is causing quite the stir after she was announced she would be replacing Beanie Feldstein in the Broadway revival of Funny Girl, taking over the lead as Fanny Bryce. This marks Leah's return to the spotlight after facing backlash in 2020 when several of her former castmates came out and accused her of bullying in addition to accusations of racism. I saw Funny Girl with Beanie Feldstein and um, we left halfway through. Oh, my God. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. 
I would have stayed till the end, but to be fair, I was with a friend who is a very hardcore Barbara Streisand oh, fan like purist. and purist and mm. defender and insisted that we leave. So oh. my apologies to Beanie. She was just trying her best, but I do want to see it with Leah Michelle. Is this for my medical chart? No, I mean, it's just for me, but <laughs> go on, go on. I, I'm afraid I have the same disease, Dr. Matt, as Ariana DeBose at the BAFTAs. She won uh, the Academy Award last year, right? Yeah, for Anita in West Side Story. I like the island Manhattan. I know you do. Smoke on your pine and put that in. I appreciate that she is truly embracing the musicalness <laughs> of the moment, you know? Like, she could have just been a normal presenter, but no, she she chose to make it a musical. Mm-hmm. I just keep ruminating, Matt. Like, I lay down in bed, and all I see is that girl with the red beret from the Matilda musical, like, dancing down the hallway. Over and over and over again in my mind. I can say, as as a medical professional, <laughs> the number of people I have seen afflicted with musical-related conditions is on the rise. Yeah. I mean, Cats the Musical, the movie, contributed to a lot of psychosis in our country. I feel the lines in my brain breaking down because everything was once original and then brought to the stage as a musical version, and now it's being brought back to film Mm -hmm. as the film version of the musical version, like the color purple. Mm -hmm. What is going on? Mean Girls. Mean Girls. Mean Girls, the musical, the movie. My name is Regina George. Regina is a fugly The movie musical of the stage musical of the film adaptation of the book. Yeah, it makes my head hurt. (laughs) I try to self-soothe. There are certain times where I find myself at one o'clock in the morning watching Anything Goes, but like comparing Sutton Foster's version of Anything Goes. Patty Lapone's version of Anything Goes. And just like looking at the differences and damn, Sutton Foster's a good tap dancer. (laughs) (laughs) She's blowing Patty Lapone out of the water. Patty Lapone's is the one you go to if you want a vocal performance. Yeah, and if you want to be verbally abused. But love it. <laughs> and then it keeps going because I saw Jonathan Groff doing Sutton Foster's version of Anything Goes. Everything's too meta right yeah. now. I can't, I can't. The musical theater world is bleeding out into our real world. Yeah. Okay, so all this context, super helpful for me as your doctor. Your condition, I would say it's unusual, but it's not something I've never seen before in all of my years of practicing. In all your years of pra- Where did you get your medical license, Matthew? Just don't worry about it. Okay, what I'm saying is there's there's precedent here. <laughs> 
I'm going to give you a few possibilities of what may be going on with you based on my medical expertise. And and from there, we'll try to narrow it down to what the problem might be. Sounds vaguely scientific. Let's do it. Okay, yeah. So typically, the way a doctor like myself would assess someone in your condition is by reviewing some archival texts. Okay, sure. What kind of texts are we talking about? Gray's Anatomy, for example. Okay, like the 19th century reference book on human anatomy. The what? (laughs) No, 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 not that one. The Shonda Rhimes show. Did you watch Grey's Anatomy? Yes. Okay. For at least 15, 20 years, but dropped off. (laughs) Have you seen the episode where Shay Diaz, sorry, sorry, Sarah Ramirez, they get into a heinous car crash, and then they start singing as an angel outside (laughs) of their own body while doctors try to save both Shay Diaz and the life of their unborn child. No. And then the rest of the hospital starts singing as well, and it's not really explained, but it's clear that it has something to do with Shay Diaz being nearly dead. And you'll begin to wonder why you came. Where did I go wrong? Is she breathing? Propellers that stimulate and suction and get some access. Right. So according to this firsthand medical text, mm. we have... The cast of Grey's Anatomy performing surgery on Sarah Mm -hmm. Ramirez's character on the table in the operating room. Mm -hmm. Also, why are all the doctors still wearing their masks if they're singing? We need to see your lips. (laughs) I'd rather keep it on. No (laughs) Valentina, no RuPaul. Take that thing off of your mouth. I'd like to keep it on, please. You're at the table read. And you get the script, and they're like, it's a musical. So, yeah, this character is going to be on the table, lying there, losing their life, and a glee chorus is going to come in. <laughs> if I lay here, if I just lay here. Yeah, so this is not like a perfect example because the singing isn't really explained, right. but it is one source I might look to as I begin the process of diagnosing your condition. Mm-hmm. Or do you remember in Scrubs where a woman has an aneurysm and everyone starts singing? Okay, ma'am. How many fingers do you see? Call 911 emergency. Why are you singing? Wait, why am I singing? You think I had an aneurysm? I don't want to jump to any conclusions. (laughs) I'm just providing some possibilities, you know? I can admit it now that I'm on the other side. Uh Uh-huh. I was... In love with Zach Braff. (laughs) Like, in love. Like, I mean, maybe the Zach Braff crush is proof that I had an aneurysm. That is probably the clearest indication yet (laughs) that you have an aneurysm and you're seconds away from death. (laughs) But, you know, I don't want to jump to conclusions. Mm -hmm. There's probably several possibilities, but that's one of them. Mm -hmm. Have you come into any contact with demons lately? Like Mm -hmm. Buffy? (laughs) <laughs> I touch the fire and it freezes me I look into it and it's black Buffy the Vampire Slayer is delivering her best music video impression mm-hmm. She's wearing the Beyonce coat the, Oh, the from Jealous coat. <laughs> yeah. Yes It looks like a scene from Rent with music by Meatloaf as sung by a Britney Spears impersonator. (laughs) It's important to know that every character is getting involved in the action here. We have multiple voices that are crescendoing together. I don't really know what vampire is getting slayed here, but 
They're doing important work. But the vocals. <laughs> <laughs> They're slaying the They're vocals. Slaying the vocals. <laughs> I could have never seen this ever, and I would have known exactly what Sarah Michelle Gellar's singing voice sounds like. Like, that's just exactly what I pictured. I think Autotune is doing some (laughs) heavy lifting. (laughs) Wait. Grey's Anatomy, Scrubs, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dr. Matt. Are these so-called texts you're referring to just the one random musical episode in various non-musical TV shows? Are you diagnosing me using the conceits that writers invent to justify their characters breaking into song? No, I mean, surely I can't do that, because some of these episodes don't even have conceits. Like, do you remember the Daria musical episode? Oh me, oh my, a lovely day is dawning. (laughs) Oh, what a joy. I didn't wake up dead. Yes, go girl, give us nothing. (laughs) I get my sleeping class instead of in my bed. Is Siri in this musical? (laughs) I do appreciate that they did not try to make up a concert at all. It was just, (laughs) hey, they're going to be singing. They're just going to be singing. You know what? Maybe you're fine, okay? Maybe I'm the problem. Like in the Even Stevens musical episode. Maybe I have the flu and I'm hallucinating everybody singing. We went to the moon in 1969, um, not 1968, but a year later. We went to the moon in 1969. That's when the astronauts first walked inside a crater. We went to- so famously, Christy Carlson Romano, as Ren Stevens, is delivering a presentation about the first time we landed on the moon. And I remember because this was very out of Ren Stevens's character because usually she was the one that was super prepared for everything. Yeah, she was the type A Rachel Berry. She was the Rachel Berry, but she got sick and didn't prepare? She had a fever. A fever. And produced what I probably would call the most famous of all musical episode numbers. I mean... Definitely the most educational. Because you know how, like, Gwen Stefani taught an entire generation how to spell bananas? <laughs> Rin Stevens taught me when we went to the moon. In 1969. Exactly. You will never forget it. Not 1970, but a year sooner. But is it misinformation? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing is certain, while Ren Stevens is dancing around with all of her classmates in the middle of a science classroom in a high school somewhere in California, she is not addressing the rumors that we faked the moon landing on a studio lot. You see that smile? She knows the truth. She knows the truth. <laughs> She's being paid off by NASA to keep her mouth <laughs> shut. <laughs> Right, so I'm going to go ahead and write you a prescription. You can do that? Oh, I have an honorary doctorate. Media studies specializing in television anthropology from Johns Hopkins University. Excuse me? It's not a big deal. This isn't a sure thing, but I've seen it work before, and I really want you to talk to a specialist. There's something sort of meta happening here where you're making a podcast about musicals that is itself a musical about musicals. 
You're trapped in a vicious cycle, Josh. A loop, as it were. Huh. And not to do a a HIPAA violation here, but I know because of our platonic non-patient doctor relationship that you recently saw a musical to this effect. You know, you're right. I did see A Strange Loop, and I really didn't know how to feel about it. Right. I think perhaps it's best if you talk with someone who was in that show. Hmm. Maybe they can help you unpack your reaction to it. Hmm. Maybe you have some feelings bottled up that are coming out in all of these unusual ways. The fact that this is the best you can offer says a lot about the state of American medicine. You're welcome. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense thing you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge, and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully, no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Back issue, and we're back. Dr. Matt Belisai, who assures me that he is a real doctor, put me on a pretty intensive treatment regimen. Skills at the piano in the morning, hot water with lemon and honey to keep my vocal cords healthy, and a conversation with Tony-nominated actress Elle Morgan Lee. A Strange Loop, the show that Elle Morgan starred in, recently ended its run after about a year on Broadway. The reviews were rave across the board. On top of a Pulitzer and two Tony Awards. The New York Times called it, quote, radical, and, quote, a show that allows a Black gay man to be vulnerable on stage without dismissing or fetishizing his trauma, end quote. Sounds like it was, like, created specifically for me, right? Actually, I had complicated feelings about the show. And so I took Dr. Matt's advice and talked to Elle Morgan. She's the first 
openly trans performer to ever be nominated for a Tony. That's not a sentence that I expected to say in 2023, but here we are, first ever in history. Let's see if our conversation can get me out of my own strange loop, because right now I feel like I'm doing a soliloquy and that can't be a good sign. I am certainly a musical theater dork by all means. Ooh, good start. Elle Morgan's love for musical theater began pretty conventionally. Crisscross applesauce in front of a boxy antenna television watching classical movie musicals like The Wizard of Oz and Funny Girl. But it's landed her in a pretty non-traditional space. I asked her to tell me about the boundary-breaking run of the show A Strange Loop. A Strange Loop is about a Black gay man who is fat and the journey that he is taking writing a musical about a fat gay Black man who is writing a musical about a fat gay Black man and all of the sort of obstacles that he faces in a world that challenges his identity. Mm. So your character has the best name, Thought One, but it's T-H-O-U-G-H-T, not T-H-O-T. You literally play a thought in Usher's mind, the main character. Usher, as supervisor of your sexual ambivalence, you can rest assured that I have sealed the gates of your body and mine so that nothing can get inside your shitty butthole until you give the word. Can you tell me more about your character? I like to think of Thought One as being sort of the dose of hope inside of the rage. Mm. In the Broadway incarnation of the show, she's the only woman on Mm -hmm. stage. Mm -hmm. And in a show where Usher has so many complex feelings about women, which is a whole nother conversation slash podcast on its own, Mm -hmm. um, in particular with Black women, Mm -hmm. it is interesting that Thought One is the one who instills hope into Usher. Mm -hmm. Thought one was the one who asks him the questions of, you know, who is this for? And like, why does this piece need to be in the canon of musical theater? Why does this thing need to exist? Yeah. I had a lot of questions in regards to like, who is this for? What audience is this playing to? Mm -hmm. When I went to go see the show, Mm -hmm. I remember looking around and seeing like, three other Black people. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. I, I remember having the thought, like, she might even recognize me because I was at the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, but there's a lot of overlap that I feel like I have with Usher in mm-hmm. terms of being a creative, occupying, like, a Black queer body, like, a mm-hmm. bigger Black queer body. Sure. And so there's this double thing that was happening for me where I felt... Super seen, but super exposed. And Mm. I remember Usher made a joke at one point and this white man behind me laughed. And I was thinking like, what are you laughing at, Ethan? (laughs) Like, how did you navigate the content of the show and the audience that you were performing in front of? I think that was one of the largest obstacles for me personally. I think that that became more of an obstacle the further into the thing we got. Mm. And night after night, eight shows a week of doing that show, which I love that you put it that way, that feels like you are exposed or exposing an Mm -hmm. element of a conversation Mm -hmm. to a group who primarily does not look like you. Mm -hmm. There is a very particular nuance to trying to fight resentment Mm. about why are our audiences not looking more like us. And that's like a big conversation that's sort of happening all around. But I think the questions for me that arose became, look, 
maybe the people who are seeing this is who this is for. Mm. Maybe the idea that I want it to be for other people is about me and not about the actual piece itself. Mm. And like, then how do you navigate? <laughs> how do you navigate those questions coming to mind then where this piece might not be necessarily for the people that you want it to be for? And it is complicated and it is layered. It is. And it, it made me feel connected to that conversation that was being had in the show about the Tyler Perry of it all. So Usher, who's the lead of the play, he spends a lot of time grappling with these ideas around capitalism and art and how they interact specifically for Black artists. His parents send him to NYU. For them, success is capitalistic. It's money. It's Tyler Perry. But for Usher, it feels like the point of art is less about the money. And there's this question that runs through the show about what happens when you're making art and it's being consumed by maybe not your intended audience. Sure. And it's and at the end of the day, it's also being seen on Broadway, which right. is a primarily sort of white demographic of people. So if we are looking to bring more, you know, seasoning to Broadway, <laughs> then, on, then what are we then asking people to come to? Right. Has the work in those projects been done to truly be creating a piece that is for these people? I think that's a big part of what we're seeing is we're asking, we we speaking in the sort of the term, just the Broadway community itself, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are talk, having these major conversations about Black shows opening and closing and what does that mean? And people going on social media saying things like, you know, you all need to support these Black shows. Well, mm-hmm. wait a minute, like... Are we really screaming, yelling at white people that they need to be supporting black stories? Like, is that what we're is that what we're doing? Because we could also be going, well, wait a minute. Why are we not reaching out more actively to black people and like bringing mm. black people in? Black shows do extremely well when when we are included and we know about them. Black mm-hmm. people will go to the theater. We have seen mm-hmm. that happen before. So what is it that Broadway is not doing to reach people? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that is we have to feel seen. We right. have to feel we have to feel considered in the making of the thing. If you sit a group of black people in front of a show that they don't feel like was made for them, they're going to let you know. Mm. It doesn't matter if the people on stage are black. It's crazy because it's also a loop because it's like the content informs who feels seen in the work, mm-hmm. which informs who shows up for the work, which informs the experience of receiving the content. It's, yeah, it's 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 its own strange loop. <laughs> you were nominated for a Tony, which, sis, congratulations. Thank you. But I was super surprised to learn that you were the first openly trans actor to be nominated in queer-ass, Broadway-ass history. Like, <laughs> what's getting that information like? Well, it was crazy getting that information. Mm-hmm. It was certainly something that I had always dreamed about. And, like, the thing is... I always dreamed of being nominated as an actress. Mm. When I was a kid, when I was starting to think that, I was like, well, that's never going to happen, but I can dream it all I want to. Mm -hmm. So to be nominated in a way that felt affirming and Mm -hmm. beautiful and exciting 
that's the dream. Mm -hmm. But the conversation is so layered. You can have the greatest intentions in the world. You can want to see this diversity and want to see all this inclusion. But if you haven't prepared your house for the people that you're inviting inside of it, then it's not a safe space for those people. And mm. so in, in order for it to be made into a safe space, you have to actually have conversations with those people. You have to talk to your neighbors before you ask them over for dinner. Mm. Because once we get inside of the room, we might find things that are not so great or things that you don't know are offensive or harmful or triggering to us. So mm. you have to ask me what what's going to make me feel comfortable. You have to ask right. me how you can welcome me into your home. Right. I did a reading of a project where the director on the first day of rehearsal was was... <laughs> He was mesmerized that mm. there were enough trans people to be able to be in this particular project. Said mm. in the room, I understand that this story is interesting and that we need this sort of different group of trans people, but where are we supposed to find these people? Where are they? Is there and a like, shortage? And I'm well, like, honey, <laughs> like, like, it's not that people are not here. It's that you don't have access because they haven't been in the room already. Right. So to me, that idea of being like the first, mm -hmm. it makes sense because... People don't necessarily see where there's a lack. They don't see where there's a void. Well, how do you think that your role in the show fits into this conversation about Broadway and queerness? My role in the show, there's this idea that because Ellen Morgan is a trans woman and we, we now know mm -hmm. that, you know, she's trans, then, oh, God, it's just so wonderful to see, like, a trans character on stage. Thought one is not trans. Right. For me, it was actually kind of cool on the nomination situation because I was nominated for a track that is not trans-specific. Like, mm -hmm. one of the things that we are fighting so hard for is to simply just get to be. Mm -hmm. we, like, to get a chance to not have to put a trans flag or a label across our foreheads. Or trauma. In order to tell a story. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like, I should. we shouldn't have to do that. If I want to play Dot in Sunday Park with George, if I want to mm. play Belle in Beauty and the Beast, I've only got a few more years. <laughs> but if, <laughs> but if, I, if I got a chance to play Belle in Beauty and the Beast, she's not suddenly trans. Right. It's like, I am playing Belle. And in this moment, I am Belle. And it, for me, it's if a trans person in the audience sees this mm. and they need her to be trans, then she is. Mm. Now, I'm not crazy. My being mm. trans does bring really beautiful nuance to her story. My mm -hmm. experience of being trans colors when I, as an actress, say something like, in the town where I'm from, they see me as different. Like, mm -hmm. that adds another layer to the way that the story is being told for me as an actress and for those who need to hear that. But to the average audience member, this is just a Black woman on stage getting a chance to play Belle. Mm-hmm. Or rather, just a woman on stage getting a chance to play Belle. Because she's mm -hmm. also then not suddenly, oh, here comes Black trans L. Morgan Lee as mm -hmm. Belle. Because that's, even that language is then centering whiteness in a way that exactly. like, I, we don't have to do that. We just, we keep doing it, but it's not a necessity. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's crazy about it is, is I don't know that people even understand that. Because people know, because I'm openly trans, oh, and the show is queer, oh, so it's a trans character. I was like, no, no, no. I could have very easily had a cis woman understudying me and actually Absolutely. thought that that would have been a really incredible f actual forward step for our business and for the understanding of trans people and for lots of things to see a cis woman covering a role that was originated by a trans woman because the role is simply a woman. Right. The show just ended its run. How are you processing that? How are you going to look back at this particular time in your life? Mm. I feel free. Mm. 
there are things tethered to the show that I've been ready to sort of part ways with for a while. Mm, mm-hmm. I've said I've grown a skin. I never wanted to have to grow. Ooh, what does that mean? I, I, th- I think of the kid who was sitting looking at these movie musicals and all these things, and you have this dream of what Broadway is. Mm-hmm. And then you get your ticket to get inside the door. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm standing inside of the door and I realize there's a lot of unpacking that has to be done in this room in oh. order for me to feel truly welcome. I wanted to be able to go to Disney World and just sort of be joy and light and naivete all the way. And but like, and just twirl through the hallways <laughs> mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. fly. It's like, but the reality is, is this is a business. It's a business. It's a business mm. first. And mm. so you can make a room where that's possible, but you've got to make that room. Mm-hmm. We don't check in on the firsts. Right. Because we're just celebrating that you made it over the finish line. Mm-hmm. We didn't we didn't take a look at your body to see all of the scarring there. Mm-hmm. Because I'm someone who's like, I want to help equip the folks that are coming in behind me. It's not going to do me any good to just stand inside the room and look out the door and say, come on in. Oh, my God, y'all coming in. I'm in here so you can be in here. Only to not tell them that my feet have been burned. And when you step in, your feet are going to get burned, too. Mm -hmm. It's like I want them to be able to know to wear the right shoes so they can walk in and they can get a little bit further. Right. L. Morgan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. L. Morgan Lee is a Tony Award-nominated actress. Oh, hey, Josh, you're back. Hey, Dr. Matt. Has your Rogers and Hamastitis improved at all? I'm actually shocked, but yeah, it has. I'm a Capricorn, and big Capricorn energy forced me to go online and study my affliction. And in my search, I found this clip of composer Stephen Sondheim explaining at what point in a musical his mentor, Oscar Hammerstein, would make characters break into song. Uh, What constitutes the point during a play that a song becomes necessary? Uh, Well, Oscar's principle was that when the emotions bubble up to the surface, and seem to be too passionate for speech, that's when you should come into song. So, Hammerstein's principle was that the characters sing when the emotions are so high, so overwhelming, that the only option is to express those feelings through song. Okay. So, I think I was just feeling really emotionally bottled up, specifically around some of the ideas that A Strange Loop explores, and my conversation with L. Morgan helped me express those feelings. Such as questions of the intersection of Black art and capitalism, the intersection of queer art and capitalism. Like, sometimes diversity and representation and art fall short of liberation. And it was really cathartic to see that all the times where I was feeling weird about A Strange Loop, some of the performers were also feeling weird about performing this in front of non-Black, non-queer audiences. And whose gaze is focused on who. It wasn't just isolated to me. Elle Morgan was feeling it, too. I feel like... Watching the show led me to think about Broadway as the space that's only nominally dedicated to telling more Black stories, but without institutional support, without the right political ends or the right Black people in the space to make those tellings and those stories possible, how is that going to happen? Yeah. I still can't make it past the fact that Elle Morgan is the first trans performer to be nominated for a Tony and... 
Broadway is supposed to be the queerest place ever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was my, you know, that was what I was just thinking was like, this is supposed to be uh, out of all the different types of media, the most, right. th- the most progressive, the most queer, the most accepting of everybody. And not only do the stories not reflect that a lot of the times, but just the institution as a whole, it's not very accessible to a lot of people. At all. And musicals are a thing I really, really love. Mm -hmm. And that made it really difficult for me to see this musical, A Strange Loop, and feel so removed from it. Mm -hmm. But also to see it and see it so celebrated and not have the same sort of reaction, it was just my own version of A Strange Loop, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, are you saying what I think you're saying, Josh? <sighs> what do you think I'm saying, Matthew? Josh, don't you see? I've cured you! I guess you, like, pointed me in the right direction? Am I a good doctor? You barely have a doctorate, Matt. I don't know if I'd call you a good doctor. Maybe anyone can be a doctor if they just believe. Uh, okay. Well, I'm going to head out now. Leave me a positive review on ZocDoc. Back Issue is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. I'm the host and senior producer, Josh Gwynn. Back Issue was created by myself and Tracy Clayton. Our producers are Janelle Anderson, Xandra Ellen, and Ari Saperstein. Our editors are Leela Day and Emmanuel Hapsis. Our managing producer is Bria Mariette. Our executive producer is Leela Day, and our intern is Noah Camuso. Today's episode was produced by Xandra Ellen and edited by Emmanuel Hapsis. Our sound engineers include Sharon Bardales, Davy Sumner, Jason Richards, Jade Brooks, Marina Pais, Pedro Alvira, and Raj Makija. Art design by Cadence 13 and original music by Raj Makija and Don Will. Executive producers for Pineapple Street Studios are Jenna Weiss Berman and Max Linsky. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Regarding Josh. You can follow the show on Instagram at Back Issue Podcast. And you can use the hashtag Back Issue Podcast on Twitter if you haven't made the decision to leave that godforsaken hellscape yet. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. Please leave a review. I'll see you next week. I'm not gonna leave ya. There's no, no way, way I, I we are well <laughs> and I'm telling you <laughs> I'm not feeling well, I got pain. Effie, we all have pain. <laughs>